Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. message today. Uh, I'm excited about it and I'm looking forward to it. I think we should pray and let's prepare our hearts for what God has for us. Father, I thank you so much for each and every person here. I thank you that we get to gather in this place, that we get to honor and worship you, Father. And I just pray today as we get into the the word, get into what you want to teach us, Lord, I pray that it is your words that come out of my mouth, not mine. Lord, you speak through through what, what I'm going to say, Lord, and I pray that it touches our hearts. I pray it convicts us, Lord, because without conviction, we will not ever see any change. We need to know we need to change. And so, Father, I pray you speak to us. Help us to have ears that hear, hearts that understand, and Lord, give us minds that desire to live for you and to live like you. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you remember back two weeks ago, I was talking about our relationships, but more specifically, the way that we see our relationships. And and so, We're doing this series called Angles, and really uh, we're talking about how we on earth here, we have our earthly perspective, or we see things from an earthly angle, but God sees things differently than the way that we do. We often make decisions in our life, and we make choices, and and we, we go in a direction in our life based on the way that we see things, not often, not the way that God sees things. And so we have to change our perspective. We need to try to see things from God's angle or from God's perspective. So if you remember two weeks ago, uh, before Joey spoke last week so, uh, so awesomely, um, I talked about romantic relationships. Everybody say romantic relationships. Oh, that's, that's great, isn't it? I, I brought up that, that, that in our criteria for finding somebody as a spouse, the number one thing that should be on our list, that should be a game changer, a deal breaker, it should be the number one thing on the list, is are they a believer? And if, and if that's not the number one criteria on your list, if you're a single person today, then you need to do some changing. Because from God's perspective, the very first thing that you should be looking for in a mate is that they are a believer that they have a relationship with him. I also talked about how our friendship relationships can be pivotal to you and I living out our destiny that God has for us. That all, I don't need to tell you, I don't need to try to figure out what your hurt, your hang up, your problem is, the thing that keeps you from your destiny. I don't need to, need to go into your brain to try to figure that out. You already know it. And often we know which people, if we're around them, will lead us to make decisions that, that lead us back into those problems that keep us from the destiny that God has for us. And so our relationships with each other are pivotal. And if we have people in our lives who we know, hey, over the 4th of July last week, I shouldn't hang out with them, or I'm going to drink until 4 in the morning and pass out, and all these things are going to happen, and I'm going to feel guilty the next morning, then maybe those are people that we need to cut out of our relationships in our lives. And that hurts to say and to hear, but that's God's perspective, not our perspective. Our perspective is, oh, I've been with those people forever, they're my family, they're my friends, what, am I, what do I do without them? God's going, i got lots of things you can do without them, <laughs> right? And so we have, to be, we have to be realistic. So today I'm going to continue talking about a relationship, but a different kind of relationship. I'm going to talk about your relationship with God. And I'm going to be, not, not heavy or hard, but I'm going to be real today about what our relationship with God looks like for us compared to the way that he wants it to look. Can I do that? All right, so... Um, so the question I have is, is how do you view your relationship with God? What is your angle? What is your point of view uh, uh, on God? And, and so this is how I want to approach this subject today is, is by asking the question, why? 
Everybody say why. So why, why, why did you get saved? Why did you get saved? You see, I, I find that, that if I can find the motive behind the why, the reason that somebody got saved, I can generally figure out the way that they view Father God and the way that they view their relationship with God. And, and this, this, has a big, this has a big bearing on the way that you will go into your relationship with God, the way that you will respond to God, the way that we will talk to God, the way that you will try to listen to God. It all will be based on the reason why. Everybody say why. Why you accepted the Lord. And so, um, so I want to talk about a, a couple different, uh, different reasons why people accept the Lord and then break down some of the, the possible flaws in our relationship with God based on that. Can I do that today? Okay, now, I may, I may point things out, and you may feel like, ooh, man, he's talking to me, or that's why I accepted the Lord. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to try to maybe change your way of thinking, to see this relationship with God as something different than maybe the way you've been viewing it ever since you got saved, okay? All right, so the, the first, the first uh, reason that people get saved or that I want to talk about today and I want to break down is this concept of I want a better life. Everybody say, I want a better life. Everybody say it like you mean it. Because do you want a better life? Yeah, well, often people will, will accept the Lord because there's this promise or there seems to be a promise of this better life, right? That, that a lot of times these people are, come to church because they're, they're on the bottom. They feel like everything's going wrong. And they're like, well, I've tried everything else. I guess I'll go to church. They go to church. The pastor says something about, about how your life can be better with God. And they go, oh, man, I want that. I want a better life with God. Often, they, they, when they learn scriptures or they memorize scriptures, they, they remember ones like Psalm 46.1. I think they're going to put it on the screen. It's, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble, right? Because they feel like they're down and they're in trouble and things are tough. Or, or, or the scripture in Proverbs 3.5, most people, most people who have been in church know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, say it with me, and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Is that yeah, that's right. Okay. Everybody said acknowledge, even though it's not on the board. Bad students. It said submit. Everybody say the word submit. Okay. Let's, just, let's get that King James out of you. <clears throat> that's fine. Whatever. You like these and those. Um, these, these people often, when they start learning about the word, they, uh, or, or when they're talking to somebody, they start to compare their life to the life of Job. Anybody remember Job? Job is the guy who went through like the very bottom. He lost everything in his life. He, he, he you know, had kids. He had a wife. He had farms. He had money. He had everything. And, and piece by piece, he loses every single little bit of it until he's just like all by himself and that woe is me. And they, 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 think, they think that they're like Job. And then God restores Job, right? God gives him basically everything he had before and more at the end. And so they're like, I want to be Job. You know, that, that old I want to be like Mike thing. I want to be like Job. No, you don't. <laughs> but people in the bottom do. And, and they come to God saying, saying, I need or I want a better life. And so they, they compare themselves to Job. And uh, they pray prayers around this idea that God will rebuild them from the bottom. And there's nothing wrong with all of this in theory. If your whole relationship with God is centered around him saving you from your situation, 
or your circumstance, you'll be missing out on God's real desire for your life. Let me say that again. If your whole relationship with God is focused on Him saving you from your circumstance or from your situation, if that's what it's all about, then you will be missing out on God's real purpose and desire and direction for your life. Let me explain it to you in another way. You remember Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem. You remember this story? This is right before, you know, right before he gets crucified, right before that, the week where he does all, talks about all the parables and all these different things. And so, um, so anyway, he rides in on the donkey, and everybody lines the street, right? You remember this? And they're waving palm branches. We didn't talk about this on Palm Sunday because we're rebels here at this church. We don't talk about holidays on holidays. And, uh, and, and so this is the, so it's Palm Sunday right now. And, uh, and so Jesus rides in on the donkey, and all the people are in the streets, and they're cheering, and they're shouting, and they're excited, and they're all excited for Jesus. And why are they excited for Jesus? They're not excited because he's there to save their souls. He, they're, they're excited because he's there to save their situation, or so they think. They think that Jesus is going to come be king and save them from the Romans. You've heard this before, because I like to talk about this perspective. They think that, that Jesus is going to come to change their situation. And the problem is, when Jesus doesn't change their situation, it causes real problems with their trust in Jesus, doesn't it? And by the end of the week, first of the week, they're like, Woo! Jesus! At the end of the week, they're like, Crucify him! This is how our relationship with God often end up when all we're looking for is the change of our circumstance. The day we get saved, we are so excited. Like, oh, Jesus, everything's going to change. We walk out the door and we crash our car into another church member in the parking lot. <laughs> We're like, what is? I got saved, Lord. I thought you would, like, supernaturally move me around things. I thought you were going to change my circumstance. Now I got bills. Now the cops are going to have to come. I'm going to have to do police report and my insurance is going to go up and all these. Uh, 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 crucify him. Right? If, if our whole relationship with God is based on our circumstances, then we'll miss out on what, God, what God's really here for. Mm. Jesus, Jesus was not here to change our circumstances alone. Now, circumstances change. In John 14, 6, this is what Jesus, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, in the life, no one comes to the what? Comes to the what? No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus wasn't here just to change people's circumstances. He was here to connect them to the Father. He came to connect people to the Father. You, you, you read in all the things that he teaches throughout and all the times the disciples ask him questions, he's constantly pointing them to the Father. Jesus came to connect you to the Father. And the day you got saved, even if you got saved, even if the reason was because you wanted a change in your circumstances, Jesus, Jesus will take you no matter what, you know, where you are, what you come for. Or, or, but, but he came to connect you to the Father so that you could have a relationship with the Father, so that you could have new life and light in your life because of the Father. He's not here just to change that. Often, the people who decided to accept the Lord based on their situation or circumstances will base the closeness of their relationship with God on their circumstance. When things are going really good, they feel like God is in their corner and that they're really close with him. But when things are going bad, 
They feel like God is very distant and very far away. But, but wait, that's seeing things from our perspective. That's seeing things from our perspective. That's not God's perspective. His view of us is that he's always there. In fact, the scripture I read at the beginning that a lot of people get saved based off of in this, I want my circumstances to change. That one that says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present. Say ever-present. Ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present means ever-present. <laughs> right? So if you got saved based on a scripture like that that talks about how he is always there, then no matter what your circumstance is, he's always there. He's never moved away from you, but we have to change that concept in our mind to go, hey, hey, even though my circumstances may not be the way that I want them to be, he's still as close as ever. He's still as close as ever. The other problem with the I want a better life point of view is, is that um, we often point to God when things are good, but we often point and blame God when things are bad. We often blame him when things are bad. We seem to think that, that God causes us to suffer by his own doing, that he's the one. Especially, I mentioned this, the story of Job, and so maybe some of you that know that story pop right in your head. Like, well, in the story of Job, God allows the devil to, to put Job through all these things. And so people want to look at, Job, or look at God in that story and go, what a mean God. How would a loving God do that kind of thing? But we have to remember, it is not God that brings destruction to Job. It is the devil that brings destruction to Job. And it is Job's, well, I would say unwavering, but he wavered a little bit. Well, basically, unwavering decision to stick with God no matter what that restored him. It is, it is Job's decision that no matter what circumstances come, God never moved away from Job. He never packed up his bags and left. It, it, he just... It, it, because Job stuck with, stuck with God all the way through the trial, at the end, God restores him to greater than he ever was before. And so even Job didn't point at God and say, I hate, you know, he, he was frustrated with God, but he didn't say, uh, you know, I totally denounce you, God, you don't love me anymore. He stuck with God through the thing and he made it to the end and he got, and he got through it. And, and so we have to remember, like, it is not God that brings bad things on us, right? Right? I mean, the, the Bible clearly says that the devil goes around seeking who he may devour, looking for people to hurt. He brings bad things. He wants to hurt you. He wants to stop you from having success. He wants you to hit the person in the parking lot right after you get saved so that you will fall apart and go crucify him. He wants you to do that. And it also says that every good thing comes from the Father. Every good thing. Say that with me. Every good thing. The Lord, the Lord is good. All the time, God is good. And, and so we have, we, we, but our, our train of thought, again, if we're thinking about our circumstances, every good thing that happens, we want to we thank God for, and every bad thing that happens, we want to blame God for, but that's not what the Word says. So we have to change our perspective to be well, in line with what God's perspective is. Uh, the second way that people get saved, I'm going to move on, um, is, in, in, again, it, it changes the way that we see things. And, and this may seem similar, but it's not. Um, is this concept, I need help, or I need specifically a miracle. Everybody say miracle. miracle. 
So we were riding back down from the 4th of July in, in our car. We've got all five kids in the back. And, when, and now, when I say that my wife and I are at the end of our rope with our kids, I mean it. I mean, like, there is no rope left for us to be holding on to. It's been a long week, all right? This morning, Pastor Dom came up, and, and, and while I was reviewing my notes, he said, can I get you anything? I said, yeah, a new brain, please. It's been a long week. And, uh, and so they were, they're crying and they're screaming and then they want Disney songs. Give us Disney songs. You can only listen to Moana so many times. They sing in a different language, people. <laughs> Going crazy. Like, please just give me some Aladdin. You know? <laughs> Aladdin's not cool anymore. It comes on and kids are like, switch it. We don't want to hear you and mom do a duet in the front. <laughs> I can show you the world. A whole new world. We would have no kids. <laughs> a thousand things to see. It'd be better. Um, so we're like, we're riding, and Jackson's like, Dad, 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 Dad. What? Dad. Does wishing on a star really work? <laughs> what do you say to that? He's like, you know the saying, I wish I may, I wish I might have this wish, I wish tonight. He starts trying to recite it, and halfway through he forgets the words, and he's like, I don't know how to finish it, but does that really work? And I look at Allison like... <laughs> <laughs> and my wife is a genius. She goes, honey, I just find that praying works a whole lot better. And I'm like... I'm like, you gotta be kidding. That is the greatest answer of all time. I was like, because I was, I was like about to crush boys' dreams. <laughs> so he then explained to us that praying hasn't worked for him. And we're like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I prayed and it didn't work. And we're like, okay, well, what, uh, son, what were you praying for? He goes, an ice cream cone. Like right now? Yeah, like right now. Like I want an ice cream cone right now. We're riding down 131. And then we're not getting any more ice cream. So I, I took time, a few minutes, to explain to him that God could make an ice cream cone appear out of thin air. Did you know he could do that? Like that's not a joke. God could do it. Right now we could all be you know, eating Ben and Jerry's. I don't know. Like God could do that. But he would only do it if it was leading towards a greater plan that he has. He would only do it if, if it was something that would line up with his greater plan or with, with something that he wants to see happen, something that he wants to instill in one of us or in, in Jackson or, or whatever. Like, like there would, God, God's not just out there to just like be the money tree. You know, We all wish money would fall from heaven. When those fireworks went off, that was like money falling from heaven because they're so expensive. You know. But we all wish that, you know, we all want to wish on a star that something's going to be great or we want to pray and, 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 and get the miracle. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes miracles happen for some people and they don't for other people. And, and people hear, that's the thing, like people hear that somebody experiences a miracle or something very miraculous happens. And, and so they choose to accept the Lord or to seek the Lord uh, based on somebody's testimony of miracles. That is not a bad thing. 
That's a good thing. God uses all kinds of things. The word says that we use, we overcome by the words of our testimony, and we overcome by the words of other people's testimonies. The testimony of a miracle is very, very powerful, and it draws people to the Lord. But basing your relationship on whether or not you get a miracle when you need it will cause you to miss out on God's real destiny for your life. Right? A few months back in, in March, Pastor Steve Bach, who I love dearly, I don't know, he, he normally comes to second service, he taught about how Jesus crossed the sea and, and when he got to the shore, he healed the demoniac, the man who was possessed by demons. Remember, he cast the, the spirits out of the man and, and they go into the pigs and the pigs fall in the water and drown. It's really gruesome. Anyway, um, but then he does a, a series of miracles on, at the seashore in that, that city there. In fact, he does so many miracles and there's so many people that he then says to his disciples, he says, I give, you, I give you the power, go out and go into the city and heal everyone you see and pray for everyone you see. And so the word says that all of the, people, the, all of the disciples went into the city and they literally healed and did miracles on every person that they came across who needed one. Now, now let me ask you, would that pique your interest? If that was happening in Reed City, would you be in church today? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You'd be, you'd be in Reed City. And, and so that's exactly what happens. All these people want to come see Jesus because they hear about all these miracles happening. And so, so they all come. This is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. But we know that back then they only kept a, attendance of the men. So, so they say there could, be, could have been anywhere from 10,000 to 15,000 people that came to Jesus. And, and so G, here Jesus is. They all come. Don't you think they were probably expecting a miracle? I mean, the reason that they came and the word that had spread on that side of the sea was that, that they had healed everybody. Don't you think the people who came wanted to be healed? Don't you think that those fields or wherever they were, the places that they were at where Jesus was speaking, was full of people who wanted to experience a healing miracle in their body? And then they all start grumbling because Jesus is just standing up there talking? Like, dude, quit talking, start healing, right? And, and they're hungry, and so Jesus, he does a miracle. He feeds them. Well, that's not a great miracle because it only lasted for, what, 15 minutes? How long does it take you to eat lunch? All I had was bread and some fish. I mean, bread, fish, bite. It's over. Cool, thanks, Jesus. Now, we see this as an amazing feat because of how little they had and how much was spread around. But those people, they just kept handing baskets. It never says that he healed a single person there. Don't you think if Jesus would have healed thousands of people there that day that they would have written it down? I mean, just in the, in the very section before, it's talking about all the people they healed in the city and all the amazing miracles that happened. But it never says one word in any of the accounts of it that Jesus healed any one of the people of those, those 5,000 men and how many thousand other people that came. Why? Three words. I don't know. Because it has to do with the Father's plan. Remember, Jesus is just trying to connect people to the Father. He's not here just to change your circumstances. If our relationship was, with God was based just solely on signs and wonders, then, then we would be missing out on so much of life because we would just be going from momentary God moment to living 
a life of hell to the next momentary God moment to living a life of hell to momentary God moment. How many people do you know who live that way? Many. Most. Because as soon as God does something amazing, within hours, within minutes, we move past that in our lives and we start thinking about our perspective again. Remember, all the way at the end, they wanted Jesus to do another miracle and, and he said, come on, people, in my terms. Like, how many signs and wonders do you need to see? How many times do I need to show you that I really am God? You, this is my paraphrase. You remember this happened? They said, just show us one more thing. Just do one more thing for Jesus. Jesus. And he's like, when does it move past signs and wonders and into real relationship? We, we need to be a people that changes our perspective. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, and, and I'm going to have to continue next week. But let's talk about God's angle. Let's talk about his point of view real quick. What... This is the question. What is the ultimate end of your life? Is it heaven? Is it hell? Or is it unknown? Are you not sure? Maybe you're just testing it today. Maybe you've never thought about God. Let's just say, for happiness sake, that it's heaven, right? That heaven is the ultimate end of your life. What are you doing to prepare yourself for heaven? What are you doing today to prepare yourself for heaven? A lot of people think, like, what do you mean? What am I doing to prepare? I can never prepare myself for heaven. Well, there's probably some truth to that. But what are you doing to prepare yourself for heaven? We prepare ourselves for everything else. You guys packed up your camper the day before you went camping for the 4th of July. You prepared to go camping so that when you got there, you'd have everything you needed, right? Last Thursday, I shot my bow. It's July, people. But I want to be ready when that big buck of a lifetime walks in that I always mess up on anyway. I want to be ready. We prepare for everything in our lives. We go through schooling for years and years to prepare us for the workforce where there's no jobs. We, we, we go, we, we, our whole lives, literally, your, most of your day is spent preparing for something. But how much of that time is spent preparing for heaven? For eternity. And you go, well, wait, wait a second. Like, well, what can I do? Well, literally every part of the Bible talks about it. And what Jesus teaches about our life is all about preparing you for time with the Father. Remember, he's all about the Father. We need to become all about the Father. We sang that song, take this world, take it all, give me Jesus. We need to prepare for that, right? And, and and so how do we do that? How does that look? Well, the Bible's full of it. I, I have to teach all year, which I do every Sunday, um, about how, how that looks and what that, that means. But we have to apply ourselves to it. Think about the parable of the talents, the one where the master gives the, the, the money to the servants, and he goes away for a while. And then when he comes back, he says either, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many want to hear that when we go to heaven? I want to hear that. Well, in order to hear that, you've got to prepare yourself for that. You've got to take what he's given you today and you need to work towards a, a, not, a, not a personal earthly goal, but a spiritual goal that God has. Store up treasure where? Not in your bank account. Not that you can't have money. I want money. But store up treasure in heaven. And that doesn't mean like, you know, shuffling bills up into the sky. <laughs> you know, what it means is use your life to pay toward things that are going to matter in heaven, not on earth. We're so focused on our perspective, on the way that we live, on the way that we think, that we miss out on what God really wants for our lives. 
We need to change our angle of perspective to see things the way that he wants us to, not the way that we want to. We need to be willing to make changes. Everybody say changes. Changes hurt. They're tough. They're uncomfortable. They're not easy. And they're not rules. They're vague guidelines. No, they're their directions for the path and the destiny of your life. It's okay to want a miracle. It's okay to want your life to change and have that be a reason why you, you go seeking after God. But in the middle of those circumstances, when things are low or when the miracle isn't happening, God is just as close as he's ever been and he still wants you to continue to, to take steps to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Your life could be so much more. My life, personally as well, could be so much more. If I, too, would change my perspective. And if I need to change my perspective, you need to change yours, too. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for every person here. And I thank you for your word. And, and I thank you for these lives, Lord, these people who you have created so perfectly, so intricately, designed, molded into the person that you want them to be, whether they realize it or not, whether they understand their circumstances or not. Lord, your word says that we should lean not on our own understanding, that we should not try to figure everything out, that we don't need to know every single answer, but that we should trust in you. Father, I pray that today every person here can understand that, that what does is, what is our life look like with God? What is our relationship built on? It's built on that word trust, on forgetting our circumstances, Lord, and, and not making our focus an earthly focus, but making it a heavenly one. And I pray that you've maybe touched some hearts today, convicted some hearts about the focus of their relationship with you. And that you will spur us or encourage us on to to change that focus into one where our life is about glorifying you, honoring you, trusting you, and allowing you to work the way that you want to in our lives. With everybody's eyes closed here, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, but today you want to, today you want to live the life that he has for you, you want to begin down that path, yes, Yes, it can change your situation. Yes, you can experience a miracle. Yes, those things can happen to you. But more than anything, you want to know that you have a relationship with Father God who loves you, who cares for you, and who is not just looking at your day-to-day, but he's looking at your eternity. If you want to do that today, you want to know you're going to heaven, you want to know that he has a plan, and you want to work on moving towards that destiny he has for you right now with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed just slip your hand up is there anybody who wants to accept Jesus today I'll wait a few more seconds if he's tugging on your heart don't be afraid all right father I thank you for all the people in this place lord and in there's this place is full of your children, your believers, the people who love you, who want to experience you, who want to move forward in their lives and their destiny that you have for them. And Lord, I just pray that today we will wake up to the reality that we need to move, that we need to start following you with our whole heart in order to truly see all those things happen.
Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you, and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.